First Timothy 5. Don't stand yet. First Timothy chapter 5. We've been in a series on Wednesday nights on Words Matter. And just talking about the importance of our words, that words are powerful tools. They quickly can build up, uh, but they can also quickly tear down. And um, Proverbs 18 says that death and life are in the power of our tongue, uh, of the words that we speak. Uh, In Genesis, the Bible opens with God speaking into existence through His words, um, our world that we live in. Uh, speaking into existence, the, the sky and the, and the sea, and it's by His Word were all things created. And you think about the amazing part of that, that God, God created things with His Word. John says us that, tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and it, and it was God. And words matter so much. Uh, but we looked at a few weeks ago in, in the passage in James where he talks about our words can also tear down. And in just a moment, they can, like a, like a, like a, like a, a match to fire, can explode things, can destroy things, relationships, and the worlds that we've created and built so very quickly. And what we say matters so very much. There are no such things as benign words. And so I want to look at just another thought tonight that hopefully will be a help to us. So 1 Timothy chapter 5, if you found your place, stand with me, and we'll read some of these verses tonight. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Paul giving instruction to Timothy, his son in the faith, he said, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. Honor widows that are widows indeed. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home, to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate, trusteth in God, and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And that, of course, would point back to verse number four, verse nine. Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man, well reported of for good works, if she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. But the younger widows refuse. For when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. And with all, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you again for tonight, and I ask that you'd speak to our hearts once more. We are grateful for this moment we share. Lord, bless the programs going on around the building, and then we just again ask that you would encourage our hearts and instruct us this midweek service in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 1 Timothy was written by Paul, of course, to Timothy, who would have been his son in the faith. Uh, some people believe, and there's good reason for it, that at the time of the writing of, of, the, of 1 Timothy, that Timothy would have been about 30, between the ages of 36 and 38 years old. So for our purposes tonight, an average of 37 years old. Paul, it's obvious from the text, thought that Timothy was a little bit too young to be pastoring, but he had a special gift of prophecy. 
And so Paul allowed him to be in this position. But in that position as a young man in his later 30s, um, Paul thought it was prudent of him to give Paul or Timothy a lot of instruction and a lot of wisdom and guidance and help. And so he is teaching him how to relate to the different kind of personalities and individuals that were in the church that no doubt, doubt Paul had some insight on. And so in verse 4 and then again in verse 8, he speaks specifically about widows and that it is the responsibility of their family to care for them. But there were some that did not have family to care for them in verse 5. And he says they were widows indeed. And he said and these widows particularly had nothing left to them and had no one to care about them. He, he uses the word they were desolate. And for these desolate widows, there was some type of support list that was made. Now, the specifics of it we're not sure of, but there was some type of support list that was made, meaning that these widows had committed themselves to work in and at the church, and in exchange, they received some measure of recompense and support. And Paul says, this list of widows that are allowed to work at the church, that are allowed to get this recompense, he said there's some qualifications for it. And so one of those qualifications is that they had to be at least 60 years old. They also should have been faithful to their husband. They should have been known or, or are known for their kind deeds. And then he says that younger widows or those that would be below the age of 60 should not be included in this support list. And there were reasons. And one would be that they might want to marry again and break their pledge to the church. And so they would, of course, maybe go home and, and, and they would have to serve their, their family and their husband and, and, and those have other responsibilities. But there was also another reason that he didn't want these younger widows included on the support list. And the idea was just that if they received too much support, then they ran da the danger that we find in verse 13. Now, I'm trying to build a case, so hang with me for just a minute, all right? So in verse 13, we read this. And with all, they learned to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. Idle in the text means simply this, free from labor. In other words, they're not working. They don't, they don't have enough to keep them busy. And so they're, they might be going around because they have the energy and the youth to do so. And they're not working. And they're using the spare time, the idle time that they have where they're not working, to simply talk. And talk a lot. And if they weren't careful with how they spent their time and with how they used their words. Then they would talk too much. And just to paraphrase some of the words that Paul's using and to, maybe to bring it up to our vernacular today, they would become gossips. They would gossip. And Paul says they're going to say things and they're going to participate in type of conversations that they shouldn't participate in. Okay, question. Are only widows under the age of 60... The only people who might be tempted to struggle with gossip. <laughs> well, no. Was Paul saying from the text, watch out. If your husband dies and you're under age 60, there's a risk that you might become a town gossip. Well, no, of course not. That's not the point at all. Paul was simply taking this opportunity as he guided Timothy and pointing out that the human nature of some is present in all. And if we're not careful, 
all of us can tend toward gossip when we too are engaging in idle talk. And Paul says this is dangerous. It's something which we ought not do. Being a busybody, being what Proverbs would call a tale bearer, other passages in the New Testament that would talk about whisperers. We have to be careful that we don't engage in these types of conversation. So what is gossip? What isn't gossip? Let's start there. Sometimes when we say the word gossip, we get a little fidgety because we think we shouldn't talk about people in a negative way at all. And I would submit that I don't think that that's a fair definition. Um, We have interactions with others that force us to talk to others about others. In other words, something happens in my life or in yours, and I might need some input. I might need some counsel on how to handle that situation, on, on the best way to respond. And my interaction with others might involve some negative approach to that, but it helps us to cope and to deal with life and to gain objective feedback to be helped by it. Jesus often instructed his disciples about people who were dangerous. I mean, he would say specifically, you watch out for those guys. Those aren't good guys. And he would say the Pharisees and the Sadducees, among others, he would give them specific warning. But he never said anything about them behind their backs, if you'll notice in the New Testament, that he also didn't say to their faces. Jesus would sometimes use what we might think of or perceive as harsh words, but it was because the people about whom he was speaking were literally sending people to hell. Like they were literally going to hell because people were believing in their words, and he used these passionate words to redirect and to guide the hearts of his followers. He was guiding, he was protecting, protecting, and he was instructing. So then what is gossip? Or what specifically would Paul be referring to in in this passage? Well, gossip is what happens when our words, intentionally or unintentionally, tear down and hurt the lives of others. It's sharing private information in a negative way with no thought given to the other person's feelings or to their reputation. Sometimes gossip's intentional. Like we intentionally hurt other people with it, with our words behind their backs when they're not present. And other times, like the younger widows that Paul mentions, it's just because we're nosy and we talk to much. Gossip starts at a very young age, and it continues into the oldest of ages. And if you don't think it's a problem, consider how much money gossip makes in today's world. Millions, if not billions of dollars. Celebrity bloggers, gossip magazines, people gobble it up. We love to know about the private affairs of others. And we especially read, and we listen, and we tap, and we click when it's negative information. Because that's juicy. We love to hear all about Meghan Markle and Prince Harry and Tom Brady and Giselle and President Biden's guffaws. These things are not presented as prayer requests. (laughs) They are presented 
because they know human nature. And humans love juicy gossip. Gossip has certain trademarks that are attached to it. It tends to be hushed. You've been in a conversation and all of a sudden the tone goes down. People lower their voices or come over here, let's find this corner to talk. Because they don't want to run the risk of being overheard. Gossip rarely has clear sources. It, it, it typically operates on rumors. And so I heard this, or so-and-so said this. The person who is being spoken about is usually absent. And not always, but often, it starts with this question. Did you hear about? Did you hear about? Why do we like gossip? What makes it attractive to us? Why do we say it, but maybe more for our purposes tonight, why do we listen to it? Like, why, why, are, why do we lean into it? Why do we get quiet when the other person gets hushed? Well, there's many reasons. I think among them, we feel superior when others are cast in a negative light. There's this moment of glee because they aren't as good as they think they are, or at least not as good as we think that they think that they are. When we push others down, it makes us look bigger. I remember when I was growing up as a boy, I would stand there with the other boys, and we'd try to stand as tall as we could and puff our chests out and even get on our tiptoes because we want to make sure who was the tallest among us because that made us feel important and special. We still do that. Maybe not physically, but with our words. And it's immature. Makes us feel better for a moment. We like tarnishing the name of people we don't like or who might be a threat to us in some way. Maybe they stand in the way of an object or a goal we want to accomplish or tension that we seek. If we put them down, then we gain leverage in our social circles or we perceive that we might be, be looked at better by putting them down. We gossip because it gives us a sense of power over others. If knowledge is power, then secret knowledge is turbocharged power. We know something. We have to recognize this tonight, though, that when we gossip or when we participate in gossip at any level, and that includes listening, people get hurt. And Paul says, these are the types of words that shouldn't be said because words can build up. They can create wonderful things, but they can also tear down and destroy especially those words that are spoken in hushed tones. I want you to know something tonight. Gossip hurts the listener. It hurts those who listen to it. If you listen to gossip, it's going to hurt you. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 8 says, Words of a talebearer are as wounds going down into the innermost parts of the belly. A talebearer is someone who whispers, gossips, and rumors. Wounds, it's the Hebrew word laham. It means to gulp or to swallow greedily. So, so the proverb says this, the wounds of a talebearer are as wounds, okay, so gulping or swallowing 
greedily. They're as wounds. The words of Tilbar are as wounds. And so they're, they're gulped and they're swallowed greedily and they, and they go down to the innermost parts of the belly. Okay, so let me help illustrate that maybe with something simple, silly that might help us. Elizabeth and I both like hot tamales. And we don't just like any hot tamales. We like the fierce cinnamon hot tamales. And so if there are a few things we fight about in our marriage, and if there's only one box of fierce cinnamon hot tamales, we're going we're gonna to go to odds over that, right? How many did you eat? Why is the box empty? We can't eat just a handful of them because we don't have that kind of discipline. So if you give a, us a box of them, we will share them. But if you give each of us a box of them, then we'll probably eat the entire box. Now that's a lot of sugar, and that's a lot of fierce cinnamon. And let me say from personal experience, it causes wounds going down into the innermost parts of the belly if you overeat fierce cinnamon hot tamales. Okay, don't look at me like you're innocent. We all know the pain of eating too much. Whatever. Candy, drinking too much, whatever, eating too much dessert, belly swells, you know, they call it food babies, and, uh, and, and you know, you're, you're in discomfort and pain. Okay, this is the idea. A talebearer says some words. The person about whom they're speaking is not present. They lower their voice. Did you hear? Or, another context, we're online or flipping through channels or clicking. Okay. It's like a dainty morsel. Man, it tastes good in that moment. And we get quiet. And our ear bends itself. And we listen in. And now we're really participating. And we're hearing. And we're interested. Because it tastes good. But I want you to know that based on the authority of God's Word, when you listen to that kind of talk, it's as wounds. You're gulping or swallowing greedily the words of another person that are like dainty morsels and they are going to go down into your belly or into your heart and they're going to hurt you. And it's not good for you. And rumors and gossip are like that. They're fun and they provide a short burst of guilty pleasure. They taste really good when we hear them. But they have a way of working their way into our hearts and our lives in a negative way. See, the emphasis of this verse isn't on the talebearer. It's not on the gossiper. I just made that word up. I know. Julie, leave me alone. All right. <laughs> Julie's going to gossip about me slaughtering the English language later. The emphasis is on the listener. See, gossip will hurt you. It's going to affect you in negative ways. How does knowing all the juicy details about a celebrity's life help you? What does that do for you? Does that make you feel good about yourself? You click and you tap and you know all the negative things about that person. Does that help you live a better Christian life? Okay, let me make it a little more personal. How does knowing all the juicy details about a relative, about a friend, about a family member, about a member in this church, about a staff member or pastor here? How does that help you be a better person? See, you begin to see those people in a different light. And you judge. And you become harsh. And you think you're better than them. And you create tension. Well, I didn't do anything. You listened. 
the wounds of a talebearer. The words of a talebearer are his wounds. Emphasis isn't on the talebearer, it's on the listener who listened and it went in and it works its way down and it's hurting the listener. But gossip doesn't just hurt the listener, it hurts the subject, the person that's being spoken about. See, your name and your reputation are valuable. The Bible says a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. You take millions of dollars or a good name, and the Bible says a wise person chooses the good name over the millions of dollars every single time. A good name, is, it's better than that. Your reputation, your name, your testimony, it's invaluable. But gossip about you, something said about your life that was supposed to be a secret or kept private, or maybe even isn't true, can irreparably hurt your reputation and your name. Because people are talking about it when they have no business talking about it. Gossip steals another person's dignity, their honor, their reputation, and their credibility. And those things are really hard to restore. And sure, they made a mistake. But guess what? God's grace covered that mistake. But what did you do? Well, you took God's grace and you wiped out His grace. And you ruined them. And you did that. And now that's on your head. And it hurts the subject. Proverbs 16, 28. A forward man sows strife. A forward man, a troublemaker. One that spreads gossip and rumors. One that repeats secrets that ought not be mentioned. A forward man sows strife. That's not emphasis on like a man. That could be a widow or a non-widow. A man or a woman, a boy or a girl. It doesn't matter. They're forward. And they sow strife. And a whisperer, a gossiper, a gossiper, they separate chief friends. Look, even if what you say is true, it doesn't mean it has to be said. Like, who said you had to say that? It's been said that everything we say should be true, but everything that is true does not have to be said. So, look, the words we say we have to be careful with. Gossip, idle talk, if we're not careful, it will hurt the listener. It will hurt the subject. And it's going to hurt the gossiper. You are destroying your own reputation. People listen to that, but I promise you, you're not liked, you're not respected, and we're not trusted. And, and more than those things, the toxic nature of gossip will destroy and erode our own souls. Again, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life, they're in the power of the tongue. But then there's this phrase, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. It means you have a lot of power with the words you speak, but you don't have control over the consequences of the words you speak. And you yourself will eat the fruit of your words. See, gossip hurts. Hurts everybody involved. Hurts the person listening. It hurts the person who, about whom the gossip is being said. It hurts the person that's gossiping. But it also hurts the environment in which it is spoken. See, it leads to low morale in a family, in a home. When a mom or a dad or, or, or a child is gossiping, 
and speaking ill about others with the intent to harm them, it creates low morale in the family, it creates low morale in the church, it creates low morale in the workplace, there's an erosion of trust, it hinders work and productivity, it breaks up peace and unity. In Romans chapter 1, Paul reveals the sinful nature of man that invites the wrath of God. People had turned away from him his instruction. They had turned away from his guidance. And so he says, you know what? You want to do all that? Then I'm going to turn you over to your ways. And so here's the list. He says they didn't like to retain God in their knowledge, so he gave them over to a reprobate, reprobate mind. And they did those things which are not convenient. He says being filled with all unrighteousness and fornication. Now, now listen to this list. Wickedness, and covetousness, and maliciousness. Full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers. There's that word. Backbiters. Right after that, haters of God. Despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covet, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. And God says, I'm done with you. And right in the middle, right smack dab in the middle before haters of God, whisperers, gossip, backbiters, slander. This is a big deal. And Paul says, there's things that you might say that should never come out of your mouth. We've got to make sure that we're careful with our idle talk, with the words that we say. And so a few guiding thoughts for us tonight. Number one is simply this. Address gossip when you recognize it. When you recognize gossip, then you have a responsibility as a child of God to address it. We all have a tendency to say things that we shouldn't. Look, it's not right, but we're sinners. So we all have a habit of getting ourselves in trouble because we're sinners and we're not perfectly reflecting the grace and goodness of God in every single circumstance and moment of our lives. So we need each other's help. You have a responsibility to help those that you care about and love with this issue. It's a sin, and we need help. Address the gossip. Don't just stand there and hear it. See, gross gossip grows an audience. And simply standing there and listening to the person adds to the appeal. And instead of them being helped by you stopping them, all of a sudden the gossip just continues. And where's the cutoff? And so sin becomes the punishment of sin, Augustine said, and it just keeps going. And it's, it builds momentum. So how do we address it? Okay, a few ideas. You could say something like this. I'm really sorry. I don't feel comfortable talking about this person when they aren't here to defend themselves. Well, something said like that. You know, I, can, we, can we wait till they're around to, to talk like that? That just makes me a little uncomfortable. I'm sorry. That breaks the gossip chain. Stops them dead in their chair. Oh, most people that are good people are going to catch themselves and say, you're right. Let's, let's talk about something different. No one respects or trusts you either when you actively listen. Another more aggressive approach, you could say, and why are you telling me this? Now, there's a lot you communicate with tone, and so you don't need to be sassy, right? You don't need to be hostile about it, but hey, hey, why, why are you telling me this? 
Like, why is this important? And I think third, maybe a softer approach, you could ask this question. And this would be what Jesus might suggest. Have you had a chance to talk to so-and-so about this? So that comes from Matthew 18. Verse 24, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee. So I've got to burn my saddle about so-and-so, and I'm frustrated with them. And, and uh, somebody says to me, have you had a chance to talk to so-and-so about this? And Jesus said, if your brother trespasses against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. You know what most people are going to say? Well, no. And the response will be, well, why don't you talk to them first? You know, most of the time, we just want to talk bad about someone. And usually, a lot of times, we take up offenses that aren't even ours. We just, we just are upset with them, or we don't like them, or they're hindering us, or we want to feel more powerful than them, with all the reasons that we stated earlier. And that will stop it in its tracks. And if addressing the gossip doesn't fix it, then number two, when necessary, walk away. And I might add, stay away from those who gossip. See, if you associate with people who enjoy belittling others when they're absent, then watch out. Because I promise you, you might trust them and you're a fool. Because the moment you turn your back on them or you walk away, you will be the subject of belittlement. And they will do the same to you. Not just that, but staying to listen to gossip and rumors says something about your own character. Proverbs 17, 4, a wicked doer giveth heed to false lips, and a liar giveth ear to a naughty tongue. You don't have love for people when you bend your ear to the words others are speaking if it's not done in a way that's constructive or helpful. You won't ever be respected if you listen to gossip. Have the courage, the strength, and the integrity to walk away. One lady said this, she said, gossip is the devil's telephone. Best to just hang up. Just walk away. Address it. Get away from it. Proverbs twenty nineteen: He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets. Therefore meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. That phrase, with him, that flattereth with his lips is one Hebrew word. It's P-A-T-A. That would be the English uh, version of it. It's pata. It means spacious or to open wide. So he that goeth about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore meddle not with him that opens wide his lips. That's the idea. Boy, they're just, they're just open in their mouth. And someone who talks a lot in an idle way can be a dangerous and sinful person. And if they gossip about others, then watch out. Keep your distance. In other words, if you could fix it and help that person, then help them. And if you can't, and you've done that, then put your distance between you and them. Because they're going to hurt you. And they're hurting everyone around them. Then I think there's this challenge tonight, that if you struggle with gossip, then recognize it in yourself. Have the courage, the integrity, the self-awareness to understand that that might be you. And ask others to hold you accountable. Speaking ill of others says more about you than it does about them. So number one, develop the character to keep a secret. Every single person here needs to have enough character 
to know something about another person and have the ability to not repeat it. Now, that doesn't mean you always keep it to yourself. And there are times that, that secrets need to be revealed. But it shouldn't, you should not just have a wide open mouth and whatever you're told just comes out. Have the ability and the character to keep a secret. It's okay to have knowledge about others. It is not always okay to share that knowledge with others. Proverbs 25, 9, debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself and discover not a secret to another. If you have a problem with, per with a person, then go to them. Dress them. You don't need to share it with other people. Here's a good exercise. Ask yourself when you're about to say something about another person to another person. Would I want someone speaking the same kind of information about me if I weren't around? If I weren't here, would I want them saying that about me? I think number two here, if you struggle with gossip, and I think it would be fair to say most of us could find application here, then be kind to yourself by not saying so much and just, in general, holding your tongue. Proverbs 21, 23 says, Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. That doesn't mean be a mute. It doesn't mean don't ever say anything to anybody. Just, just walk around and be quiet. That's not the point. Words build. They create. They help. But they can also destroy. Weed out those types of comments and thinking from your heart and from your life. We have enough trouble without running our mouths. Using our words for tail-bearing, for rumors, and for gossip is not part of God's plan for communication with and to each other. So what is part of His plan? Well, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Shut that stuff down. But, but, that which is good, to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Edifying. It's the act of one who promotes another's growth in Christian wisdom, piety, wisdom, happiness, and holiness. See, there's a lot of bad in human beings. I said this a few weeks ago. You look close enough to anybody, you're going to see a lot of faults. People look pretty good from a far away distance. We all do. But the closer you get, the more faults you'll see. There's a lot of sin in this world. In the best of people, there's sin. And you could laser in on that. You can focus on that with each other. You can focus on your wife's faults, your husband's faults. You can focus on your friend's faults, your pastor's faults. We can see all the bad we want to, and we can talk about it all we want. But God's going to hold you to account. Okay, how about this? There's a lot of good in every single person too. And there's a lot of beauty. And there's a reflection of God Himself in them. And there's a lot of things we can use our words for to do, like edify and to build up with the power of our tongue. There's death and there's life, so why not use our words for life? to do what Paul would say. Hey, be careful. Be careful with these idle words. See the good. Focus on that. 
encourage that in one another. That'd be pretty cool. If uh, someone comes to you and says, uh, yeah, so-and-so is talking. John is talking about you. Oh, he is? What'd he say? Oh, John said that, uh, that he was really touched by your service at church. And it moved him and convicted him that he needs to be a better servant of the Lord. Wow, John said that? Yeah. Yeah, um, did you hear what Fred said about you? No, what did Fred say about me? <laughs> what did you say about me? <laughs> yeah, Fred said he, he, just, he just watched you singing in church. And it blessed him. And it just helped him to realize that, that, that he needs to sing out more too. Those are the types of things that we could talk about. There's a lot of good to focus on. And our conversations can be filled with edifying and building up the body of Christ, and our families, and our homes, and one another. Let me say a word of prayer tonight.